I have a long-standing tradition in my ministry, and that is that uh, since our very first Christmas with you, I have been emphasizing reading the Bible through in a year and distributing uh, Bible reading programs to aid with that. And I know that some of you had uh, practiced that right from day one, and so that means that you would have read your Bible through now 32 times. So that uh, is pretty exciting, and I'm happy for everybody that did that. Uh, not to embarrass anyone, but how many people read your Bible through this, this year or will finish by the year? Okay, that's quite a few, and that's exciting, and uh, I'm thankful for your commitment in, in doing that. Um, there are a lot of excuses that we could give for not reading our Bible through in a year, and I think probably one of the most common excuses is that, well, we're just too busy, too busy, and certainly life is busy, that is hectic, and I understand that. Life is filled with all kinds of things, and many times very good things that can preoccupy our time. Perhaps one of the best things that you could do with your time is serve the Lord. And there are many different ways that you could serve him. But be actively involved in some kind of service for the Lord Jesus. And it just might be that you are involved in so many activities and in so many ways of serving Jesus that you don't seem to have the time to spend reading his word because of all the good things that you're doing in serving the Lord Jesus. This morning, we're going to look at what is a favorite passage of mine. It comes from Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at an individual, Martha, who finds herself too busy to sit and hear from Jesus. And we're going to look at Jesus' assessment of this situation. So Luke chapter 10. My theme this morning is that it is important to not only serve Jesus, but to take time to hear from Jesus. Not only important to serve Jesus, but to take time to hear from Jesus. Martha had a unique opportunity to hear from Jesus. And Martha used that opportunity and saw it as a privilege to serve the Lord. So Martha viewed this opportunity of serving Jesus as a privilege. Notice with me Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. Now they, that is uh, Jesus, his disciples, perhaps even some of the crowd. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed her, him into her house. It would appear that 
Martha had no idea that Jesus was coming to Bethany, where she lived. But once Jesus is there, Martha has a wonderful response to Jesus coming to her town. And that is that she gladly receives Jesus into her home. Verse 38. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. It was customary that when Jesus and the disciples would enter into a village, they would look for a home that would house them, care for them, feed them, and minister to them. Martha welcomes Jesus into her home. Was it just Jesus that entered her home, or was it all of the disciples? The text states that Martha welcomed him into her home, verse 38. The text tells us in verse 38 that there are people traveling with him now as they went on their way. So the answer to the question, did just Jesus enter the home or were there other people there is, I think, kind of up for grabs, okay? You could read it in such a way that the focus is now centering upon Jesus, and that's why it goes to the singular. Although there is never any mention of the other disciples or anything in this particular uh, narrative. So I tend to think it was just Jesus, but certainly don't want to fight over that, and I don't find it to be incredibly uh, significant, although it helps to understand uh, a, a certain perspective on this passage. But what we want to note is it's commendable that Martha would welcome Jesus into her home. She viewed it as a privilege to be able to have Jesus in her home. Why? I submit to you because she wanted to serve Jesus. She wanted to serve Jesus. What an opportunity this was. On the other hand, Mary had seized upon the opportunity to hear from Jesus. Notice verse 39. And she, that is Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So Martha has a sister Mary who is taking this opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet. You could take that literally or figuratively. uh, To listen to someone's teaching was known as sitting at their feet. Uh, But it was known that because oftentimes that's what you did. You actually sat at the feet of somebody who was sitting there and uh, listened to them. So here is Mary listening to Jesus' instruction. Again, there's no reference to anyone else being there. There could have been. We don't know. We do know that Martha was torn between listening to Jesus and getting ready for Jesus, for preparations. For it tells us in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. This word distracted is a word that means to be torn. She was torn. Uh, By context, I think she's torn between does she sit and listen to Jesus or does she prepare a meal, get ready, uh, get things in order, doesn't know that he's going to be there. Martha had a lot to do. It tells us in verse 40, she was distracted with much serving. With much serving. So she's busily at work. 
Now what is interesting is that Martha loses sight of the fact that it's a privilege to serve the Lord. Martha loses sight of the fact that it was a privilege to serve the Lord. Service without spending time and hearing from Jesus can be very frustrating. What next is fascinating? Martha confronts Jesus. Martha becomes upset with Jesus. This is important in the narrative and is often overlooked. People tend to think that Mary is upset, excuse me, Martha is upset with Mary, but in the text, Martha is upset with Jesus. Notice verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him, that's Jesus, and said, she's going to confront Jesus. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Martha is feeling put upon. And she's surprised by the lack of Jesus' concern for her. It's one thing for Martha to get upset with Mary for sitting and listening to Jesus, but it's quite another thing for Martha to get upset with Jesus, that Mary is sitting there listening to Jesus. Rather than sitting at the feet of Jesus, Martha had made the decision that she's going to get ready and prepare. She's going to serve him. She thinks she's made the right decision. The most important thing now is to serve Jesus. Mary thinks the most important thing to do right now is listen to Jesus. What an opportunity. Jesus is in our home. Martha says, what an opportunity to serve Jesus, to be a servant, to make life easier for him, to show our appreciation, our love for him. And she's going to do it by making a fantastic meal and, and providing great things for him. Mary says, what a wonderful opportunity. Jesus is in our home. What a wonderful opportunity to get to know him better, to listen to Jesus, to see what he has to say. Well, this is pretty bold on Martha's point, part, to go up to Jesus and say, don't you care that uh, I am serving alone? Not only does she assert that, but then notice what she says at the end of verse 40. She's talking to Jesus. Tell her then to help me. She's now telling Jesus what to do. She said, Jesus, you're teaching and she's just sitting here. Don't you care that I'm serving all alone? Jesus, tell her, teach her, instruct her that the right thing is for her to get up and help me. Not to sit here and do nothing. That's Martha's perspective on the situation. And it is quite ironical. Quite ironical. 
Martha is going through a lot of work in order to make things pleasant for Jesus, to make him feel comfortable, to make him feel at ease, to make him feel welcomed in her home. Now she has just undone all that by having this unpleasant confrontation. All right? Uh, it's certainly unpleasant for Martha, uh, excuse me, for Mary who's sitting there. If there are other guests, it's kind of unpleasant for them. But she's interrupting Jesus' teaching and saying, tell her to help me. Not only has she created an unpleasant scene, but now Martha's drawing attention to herself and all the work that Jesus' presence is causing her. Jesus, don't you understand how I'm working so hard because you're here? <laughs> don't, don't you understand everything that, that's going into your presence here? So now this presence is becoming a burden. What was originally a, a privilege now becomes hard work. My point to you is that it is easy to lose sight of why it is that we are serving Jesus. It's easy to lose sight of what a privilege it is to serve Jesus. And one of the things that can bring service back into a proper perspective is listening to Jesus. Falling in love with him all over again, appreciating the opportunities we have to serve him because we are appreciating the opportunity of sitting at his feet. But what is most helpful in this passage is Jesus' response to Martha. Jesus' response is compassionate. Verse 41, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Jesus' response is an understanding response. Martha, you are anxious and troubled. The word anxious is found 19 times in the New Testament. Best synonym is worried. You're worried about a lot of things and troubled. This word is used only here in the entire New Testament. It has the idea of going to pieces, of losing it, coming unglued, not being able to keep it together. Okay? She is just coming unglued. She wouldn't normally respond this way, you would think, but this has been the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. But Jesus' response is an insightful response. Also, because Martha thinks that what she needs is Mary's help. She sees that as a solution. Don't you care that I am here serving alone? Tell her to help me. That's Martha's solution to her problem. Notice Jesus' response. You are anxious and troubled. Now this is very important about many things. About many things. What does that mean? About many things. There are some that take verse 42 then and uh, 
where he says one thing is necessary, they take that to mean that she's troubled because she's making a whole lot of things and Jesus is saying you only have to prepare one thing, not a bunch of things. But that doesn't fit the context, and I'll show that in just a moment. But what Jesus is saying is, Martha, there are a lot of things that are bothering you. It wasn't just this meal. It wasn't just these preparations. There were a whole lot of things that were bothering Martha. And if Mary would have gotten up and helped her, that still wouldn't have solved the problem. It was much more than that. It was much bigger than that. There were many other reasons why Martha wasn't sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha wasn't being honest with herself. There were a whole lot of reasons why she felt that she needed to get up and leave. I think that's instructive. Because if we think that we are too busy to read the Bible, we are not being honest with ourselves. There's got to be other things. Because each of us could make time. Each of us could take 10 minutes that it would take to read our Bible through in a year. Each day, just 10 minutes. It's easy to focus on one thing. If I, if, I was, if I wasn't teaching Sunday school, I could do this. If I wasn't serving the Lord this way, I could do this. If I, if I wasn't for this, I could do this. Okay? And Martha is just saying, if, if, if just Mary would help me, everything would be fine. And Jesus is saying, no, no, it's many, many things. Okay? Okay. We have to be honest with ourselves. Yes, life is busy. But if we're too busy to read the Bible, it also says something about our view of the Bible. It also says something about how important we view the Bible to be or not important in our view of the Scriptures. There were many reasons why she was not sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus teaches that there is one thing that is absolutely essential in life. Notice verse 42. But one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Again, some commentators take this to mean that Jesus is telling Martha that Martha was too elaborate in her preparations. She is preparing too many dishes when only one was necessary. But that does not fit the context at all. Notice, Jesus said one thing is necessary. Then, he says, my page is sticking together. I know what he says, but I'm going to turn my page anyway. Mary has chosen the one good portion. He's saying many things are necessary. Mary's chosen the one good thing. That can't be she chose the peas or she chose the carrots or she chose the lamb, okay? He's not saying she chose one item. She's saying there are a lot of important things in this world that one could do, but Mary has chosen the one thing that's absolutely necessary, and that is to sit at my feet, to hear my instruction. And furthermore, Jesus says that he will not take that away from her. Verse 42 
the end, which will not be taken away from her. He refuses. He is not going to do what Martha wants. He's not going to tell Mary to get up and help her. He said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take this away from her. I'm not going to rob her of this opportunity to sit at my feet and to hear my instruction. I will not do that. She's teaching, he's teaching Martha that Mary made the right choice. At that moment, it was more important to hear from Jesus than to serve Jesus. Observations and applications. What some people do with this passage is absolutely amazing to me. Some people's take on this passage is that Jesus is a man. And as a man, he is insensitive to all that Martha is going through. He doesn't know what it's like. Jesus has never prepared a meal in his life. Okay, So, he doesn't get it that Martha is bent out of shape because no one's helped her. He doesn't understand all the troubles. He doesn't understand all the issues. Jesus doesn't get it. Now that seems pretty far-fetched to me, especially since we're talking about Jesus, who's the Son of God, knows all things, understands all things. Obviously it can't be that. But it is interesting to me how that I think that many would have taken the same view that Martha did. Here is Jesus in her home. Unexpectedly. Shows up. She wants to honor him. She wants to serve him. And so the best way that she knows how to do that is to try to do something to help him. And I say to you that I think it is commonplace for most people to view service more important than devotion, than sitting at Jesus' feet. I think people value activity. People value productivity. People want to do something and feel like their day has been well spent if at the end of the day they have something to show for their labor. But what do you have to show for sitting at Jesus' feet? What do you have to show for spending time reading the scriptures? In a period of time when there is just so many things to do, so many obligations, and beyond all the nitty-gritties of life and all the things you got to do with work and caring for the kids and caring for the house and caring for work and all the things that we have to do, then on top of that, there's all of our service for the Lord. In our context, committee meetings, mowing the lawn, working in the kitchen, cleaning the church, uh, teaching Sunday school, tons of ways in which we are involved hours in a week in serving the Lord, and we look at this and say, you know, today I've got a limited amount of time, so how am I going to spend my time? And it's easy to put the reading of the Bible on a back burner 
because it's less important. Actually, I'm serving the Lord. And what could be more important than serving the Lord? I find it very helpful that Jesus says what is more important, the one necessary thing, is sitting at my feet, being instructed by Jesus. We need to understand how important spending time in God's word really is. If we need, if we think we are too busy to spend time in God's word, we need to understand how wrong that thinking is. The busier we are, the more important it is to spend time in God's word. The busier we are, the more likely it is that we are going to be, as is described in the King James, she was encumbered about much serving. The busier we are, the more likely we are to lose it. The more likely we are to become frustrated. The more likely we are to lose perspective of why we are serving. And begin to grumble, begin to complain, begin to look at what other people aren't doing. And then even becoming frustrated with Jesus and all that he places upon us. So lesson number one. If we are too busy to read the Bible, that's not from Jesus. If because of all my service, I can't take time to read the scripture, then you're outside of the will of God. That sounds like a strong statement, but Jesus said, I will not take that away from her. I will not. If you don't have time to read the Bible, then you're doing something that God doesn't want you to do. Find the time. Set the priority. Understand that it is not Jesus who's taking that away from you. As I say, it's important to uh, gain perspective on life. Two practical ways in which Mary's sitting under the feet of Jesus, sitting under the teaching of Jesus, distinguishes her from Martha. Okay, now, Martha is a wonderful person. Okay? Uh, Martha is a godly person. Uh, Jesus loves Martha. I mean, my point is not to put Martha down, but my point is to make a distinction between Mary and Martha in two very practical ways. Okay? What value is there at sitting at the feet of Jesus? First situation that we know from, from the scripture. Mary and Martha have a brother, Lazarus. And Lazarus dies. Now, the, the situation is a difficult situation. Because just prior to Lazarus' death, Mary and Martha had sent word to Jesus that the one whom you love is dying. The scripture says that Jesus actually waited 
for Lazarus to die and shows up four days after Lazarus dies. Now, what is interesting here is the response of Mary and Martha to that event. According to John chapter 11, Martha went out to meet Jesus. She hears he's coming. Martha went out to meet him. That, in actuality, is a negative statement. For the word to go out to meet is most often associated with meeting an enemy in battle. It's used that way in the book of Luke, talking about uh, uh, you need to count your cost before you go out and enter into battle with your enemy, go out to meet him, okay, in battle. So Martha is angered by Lazarus' death. And she goes out and she says to Jesus these words, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. It's an accusation. Why weren't you here? If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Next statement, she says, but I know even now, Okay, I love that statement. But I know that even now, even though you blew it, even though you didn't care, even though something came up that you couldn't handle, whatever the reason, but I know even now that whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. She said to he said to Martha, do you believe this? She said, yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, and should come into the world. She went out and took Jesus on. She's in her confrontation mode again. Just like she was the first time around. What is interesting is that the scripture tells us Mary sat in the house. She was submissive. She was submissive. But it's also interesting that when Jesus shows up, Mary says the very same thing that Martha did. If you would have been here, our brother would not have died. But it's said with a different tone. It's said with a different attitude. It's, it's said with, a, with, a, with a, a wonder and amazement. Why weren't you here? And she comes to understand it was because it wasn't God's will. It was God's will that Lazarus died. But here's the most striking thing. Lazarus' death, the purpose of the death, was to illustrate what Jesus had taught about the fact that he is the resurrection and life. He said that to Martha, I'm the resurrection and life. Just prior to that, Jesus had taught that he is going to raise the dead. He's just going to speak and the dead are raised. He uses Lazarus as an illustration of his power to raise the dead. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth out of that tomb. And Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. And so they unwound all the grave clothes from him and they let him go. Fast forward. Turn with me to John chapter 12. 
John chapter 12. Starting in verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany. That's where Mary and Martha lived. Where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served. Shouldn't surprise us. Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Once again, Mary is criticized for her devotion to Jesus. Now she is accused of wasting her money. Verse 4, but Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarian, sold to the poor? So he appraises the value of this, this ointment at 300 denarii. A denarii is one day's work, so it was 300 days wages. Think of that. 300 days wages for this costly ointment that she uses to wash Jesus' feet. Verse 6, he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, and having a charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Jesus' response was that she is, what she is doing is praiseworthy. Verse 7, Jesus said, let her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Now, the NIV, I think, translates this the best. Let her, leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Now, that's striking. Jesus said that Mary had bought this perfume and kept it for the day of his burial, to anoint his body. Mary loved Jesus so much that she's going to spend 300 days work, almost a year's worth of salary on purchasing ointment just to anoint the body of Jesus. Okay, you got it? Now, how precious is this ointment to uh, Mary, and how significant is it that she wants to anoint the body of Jesus? Answer, when her own brother Lazarus dies, she doesn't use this ointment to anoint Lazarus' body. We know he's in the tomb four days. We know that uh, Martha says, you pull the stone away, he's going to stink. Mary had not anointed the body of Jesus. Okay? But two very significant things. First thing, it says that she has kept this for my burial, for my death. Mary understood that Jesus was going to die. The disciples didn't get that. The disciples said, far be it from you, Lord. Jesus had to say to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, when Jesus told Peter he was going to die. The disciples didn't get why Jesus had to die, and they even rejected the idea that he would die. Mary has ointment set aside for when Jesus dies. But now here's the real striking thing. 
It is six days before the Passover. Six days, the text tells us, before Jesus is about to die. She's been kept keeping this costly nard to anoint the body of Jesus, doesn't even use it to anoint her dead brother's body, keeps it for Jesus. And now after keeping it all that time, and for all that, now, six days later, I mean six days before Jesus' death, she takes that ointment and anoints the feet of Jesus. Why would she do that? Why didn't she keep it for the burial like she intended? Why six days before just anoint the feet of Jesus? Answer, because Mary had come to understand that Jesus was going to be raised from the dead. She understood from Jesus' raising Lazarus and what he taught concerning his being the resurrection and the life that Jesus would come forth from the grave. She is the only person that I am aware of in all of the New Testament that got the idea that Jesus was going to rise bodily from the dead before he did it. The rest of the disciples even had to be convinced afterwards. They couldn't believe that this would happen. Mary believed it before. It's significant. After the the, uh, death of the Lord Jesus, you may remember that a number of women went to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. You can read the ladies that went with the express intent of honoring Jesus by putting this costly nard on his body And when you read the account, there is somebody who is strikingly missing. Mary. For she used her perfume. And she knew he wasn't going to be there. Mary, because of the way in which she was devoted to sitting at the feet of Jesus, gave a far greater measure of understanding to her service for Jesus and her worship of Jesus. Her service in wanting to anoint the body, her worship of service, and her great affection for her. Here's the last great contrast. Six days before the Passover, Jesus is sitting there. Mary comes up with this pound of ointment that costs 300 days labor, She smears the feet of Jesus and then humbly she bows before those feet that she loved to sit and hear from and 
drying her feet with her hair. Wanted to be associated with Jesus. Wanted to smell like Jesus. She loved Jesus. She exuded worship of Jesus. Now fast forward those six days. It's now the night before Jesus is going to die. Jesus is celebrating the Last Supper with his disciples. Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This cup is my blood poured out for you. That night, when they're gathered together to celebrate the Passover, to hear the words from Jesus and say, you believe in God, believe also in me. Be not troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where you go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. And how can we know the way? The night before, Thomas says, we don't know where you're going. And the rest of the disciples don't say, oh, sure we do. (laughs) And he says, how can we not know the way? All right, get the picture. But think, night before the crucifixion, Jesus is with his disciples, the apostles. And what happens? Not one of them washes Jesus' feet with water. Not one of them. Not one apostle washes Jesus' feet because they all think it's beneath them. And they're looking for the lowest apostle to do that. It's beneath them to wash Jesus' feet the day before he dies. Why? Because they don't get it. They don't understand it. They don't realize what Jesus has done for them. But Mary washes Jesus' feet with a perfume that costs 300 days' wages and doesn't wash his feet with a towel, but washes his feet with her hair. That's the advantage of sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's the advantage of understanding who he is and what he does. It changes life's priorities. It changes the way you spend your money. It changes the way in which you understand his salvific work. It changes our attitude towards that service. It isn't looking for somebody else to do it, but gladly does it themselves. It changes everything. It changes everything. It's so important to understand who Jesus is, what he's about. And so often, like the apostles, there's so much we don't get. So much of it just goes over our head. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of digging. It takes a lot of reflection to really get to the depths of God's word. And Mary wanted to be at the depths. 
And Jesus said, I'm not going to take that from her. But what I'm trying to show you is it didn't make her irrelevant. It made her blessed in her service and in her worship. It brought a new dimension to life. She could respond to her brother's death in a way that was different than Martha. She could learn from her brother's death in a way that was different from Martha. And she could worship Jesus in a way that was different from even the apostles. May God richly teach us from his word. Reading the Bible through in the year isn't enough. It's not enough. But it's a place to start. And I just ask you, if you've never done that, just please start there. And I hope that it will cause you just to fall in love with the Lord more and more. That as you read and pour over the word of God, that it just makes your worship of him so much fuller, your service so much more appreciative to have this wonderful opportunity that we have to serve our risen Lord and not to think we're put upon or that it's beneath us to wash Jesus' feet. I'll have the Bible reading schedules out back, and uh, if they can be of value to you, uh, I'm because of my germs, I'm not going to hand them to you. I've got two guys, they're going to hand them to you on my side, and uh, feel free to take them. Let's pray. Oh Lord, our desire is that you teach us great and wonderful things from your word. Oh Lord, there is much that we don't understand. Obviously our lives would be so different if we did. In so many ways, our worship is lip service only. It doesn't reach our hearts in the way that it should because we don't understand it. We don't really understand what you've done for us. Oh, we understand it at a certain level. But it is so deeper, so much richer, so much fuller than what we, that, we, that we understand. And that understanding would transform us. It would change our perspective on how we use our monies of what we think is wasteful and what we don't think is wasteful, how we use our time, what we value, service over spending time with Jesus, thinking that being productive is more important. You've told us in your word, on two different occasions, with the apostles that would not forsake prayer and the scriptures for the serving of tables. In the word of God, you teach us that the elder who labors in word and doctrine is worthy of double honor. But we tend to exalt service. Lord, help us to exalt sitting at your feet, of communing with you, and understand how much you love to commune with us not just our service. And may it make our service sweet and may it make our worship rich in what we learn of you from your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.